Section 20 of Anecdotes of Dogs. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Esther. Anecdotes of Dogs by Edward Jesse. Chapter 20 The Eskimo Dog. Dr. Richardson, in his American Fauna, mentions as a curious fact that those Indian nations who still preserve their ancient mode of life, have dogs which bear a strong resemblance to wolves. Thus it is with the Eskimo dogs. They are extremely like the grey wolves of the Arctic Circle, in form and colour, and nearly equal to them in size. They also bear some resemblance to the Pomeranian breed, although the latter are much smaller. It is curious that almost every nation on earth has some peculiar traditions regarding the dog. The Eskimo, a nation inhabiting the polar regions, have a singular fable amongst them respecting the origin of the dog-rib Indians, a tribe which inhabits the northern confines of the American continent. It is thus detailed in Captain Franklin's second journey to the polar sea. Quote, For a long time, Chapawee's descendants were united as one family, but at length some young men, being accidentally killed in a game, a quarrel ensued, and a general dispersion of mankind took place. One Indian fixed his residence on the borders of the lake, taking with him a dog, big with young. The pups in due time were littered, and the Indian, when he went out to fish, carefully tied them up to prevent their straying. Several times as he approached his tent, he heard a noise of children talking and playing, but on entering it he only perceived the pups tied up as usual. His curiosity being excited by the voices he had heard, he determined to watch, and one day, pretending to go out and fish, according to custom, he concealed himself in a convenient place. In a short time he again heard the voices, and rushing suddenly into the tent, beheld some beautiful children sporting and laughing with the dog-skins lying by their side. He threw the skins into the fire, and the children, retaining their proper forms, grew up, and were the ancestors of the dog-rib nation. Unquote. Captain Lyon, who had so many opportunities of studying the habits of the Eskimo dog, has given so interesting an account of it that I cannot do better than quote his own words. Quote, Having myself possessed, during our hard winter, a team of eleven fine dogs, I was enabled to become better acquainted with their good qualities than could possibly have been the case by the casual visits of the Eskimo to the ships. The form of the Eskimo dog is very similar to that of our shepherd's dog in England, but it is more muscular and broad-chested, owing to the constant and severe work to which he is brought up. His ears are pointed, and the aspect of the head is somewhat savage. In size a fine dog is about the height of the Newfoundland breed, but broad like a mastiff in every part except the nose. The hair of the coat is in summer, as well as in winter, very long, but during the cold season a soft, downy undercovering is found, which does not appear in warm weather. Young dogs are put into harness as soon as they can walk, and being tied up soon acquire a habit of pulling in their attempts to recover their liberty or to roam in quest of their mother. When about two months old, they are put into the sled with the grown dogs, and sometimes eight or ten little ones are under the charge of some steady old animal, where, with frequent and sometimes severe beatings, 
they soon receive a competent education. Every dog is distinguished by a particular name, and the angry repetition of it has an effect as instantaneous as an application of the whip, which instrument is of an immense length, having a lash from eighteen to twenty-four feet, while the handle is one foot only. With this, by throwing it on one side or the other of the leader, and repeating certain words, the animals are guided, or stopped. When the sledge is stopped, they are all taught to lie down, by throwing the whip gently over their backs, and they will remain in this position, even for hours, until their master returns to them. A walrus is frequently drawn by three or four of these dogs, and seals are sometimes carried home in the same manner, though I have in some instances seen a dog bring home the greater part of a seal in panniers placed across his back. The latter mode of conveyance is often used in summer, and the dogs also carry skins or furniture overland to the sledges when their masters are going on any expedition. It might be supposed that in so cold a climate these animals had peculiar periods of gestation, like the wild creatures, but on the contrary, they bear young at every season of the year, and seldom exceed five at a litter. Cold has very little effect on them, for although the dogs at the huts slept within the snow passages, mine at the ships had no shelter, but lay alongside, with the thermometer at forty-two degrees and forty-four degrees, and with as little concern as if the weather had been mild. I found, by several experiments, that three of my dogs could draw me on a sledge, weighing one hundred pounds, at the rate of one mile in six minutes, and, as a proof of the strength of a well-grown dog, my leader drew one hundred and ninety-six pounds singly, and to the same distance in eight minutes. At another time, seven of my dogs ran a mile in four minutes, drawing a heavy sledge full of men. Afterwards, in carrying stores to the Fury, one mile distant, nine dogs drew one thousand six hundred and eleven pounds in the space of nine minutes. My sledge was on runners, neither shod nor iced, but had the runners been iced, at least forty pounds weight would have been added for each dog. Unquote. Captain Lyon, in another passage, observes, quote, Our eleven dogs were large and even majestic-looking animals, and an old one of peculiar sagacity was placed at their head by having a longer trace, so as to lead them through the safest and driest places. These animals, having such a dread of water, as to receive a severe beating before they would swim afoot. The leader was instant in obeying the voice of the driver, who never beat but repeatedly called to him by name. When the dogs slackened their pace, the sight of a seal or bird was sufficient to put them instantly to their full speed, and even though none of these might be seen on the ice, the cry of, A seal! A bear! Or, A bird! etc., was enough to give play to the legs and voices of the whole pack. It was a beautiful sight to observe the two sledges racing at full speed to the same object, the dogs and men in full cry, and the vehicles splashing through the holes of water with the velocity and spirit of rival stage-coaches. There is something of the spirit of professed whips in these wild races, for the young men delight in passing each other's sledge, and jockeying the hinder one by crossing the path. In passing on different routes, the right hand is yielded, and should an inexperienced driver endeavour to take the left, he would have some difficulty in persuading his team to do so. 
the only unpleasant circumstance attending these races is that a poor dog is sometimes entangled and thrown down when the sledge with perhaps a heavy load is unavoidably drawn over his body the driver sits on the forepart of the vehicle from whence he jumps when requisite to pull it clear of any impediments which may lie in the way and he also guides it by pressing either foot on the ice the voice and long whip answer all the purposes of reins and the dogs can be made to turn a corner as dexterously as horses though not in such an orderly manner since they are constantly fighting and i do not recollect to have seen one receive a flogging without instantly wreaking his passion on the ears of his neighbours the cries of the men are not more melodious than those of the animals and their wild looks and gestures when animated give them an appearance of devils driving wolves before them our dogs had eaten nothing for forty-eight hours and could not have gone over less than seventy miles of ground yet they returned to all appearances as fresh and active as when they first set out such is the eskimo dog an animal of the greatest value in the cold regions of the arctic circle in addition to captain lyon's very interesting account of them it may be mentioned that they are of great use to their masters in discovering by the scent the winter retreats which the bears make under the snow their endurance too never tires and their fidelity is never shaken by blows and starving they are obstinate in their nature but the women who treat them with more kindness than the men and who nurse them in their helpless state or when they are sick have an unbounded command over their affections i am indebted to colonel hamilton smith for the following account of an eskimo dog brought to this country and which he received from mr cleghorn the owner of the animal Quote, the eskimo dog is possessed of very great sagacity in some respects more than any dog i have ever seen i may mention an instance in coming along a country road a hare started and in place of running after the hare in the usual way the dog pushed himself through the hedge crossed the field and when past the hare through the hedge again as if to meet her direct it is needless to remark that the hare doubled through the hedge but had it been in an open country there would have been a fine chase one particular characteristic of the dog is that he forms a strong attachment to his master and however kind others may be they never can gain his affection even from coaxing with food or otherwise and whenever set at liberty he rushes to the spot where the individual of his attachment is i may give one or two instances among many one morning he was let loose by some of the men on the ground when he instantly bounded from them to my house and the kitchen door being open found his way through it when to the great amazement of all he leaped into the bed where i was sleeping and fawned in the most affectionate manner upon me another instance was when the dog was with me going up the steep bank of the prince's street garden i slipped my foot and came down when he immediately seized me by the coat as if to render assistance in raising me notwithstanding this particular affection to some he was in the habit of biting others without giving the least warning or indication of anger he was remarkably cunning for he was in the practice of strewing his meat around him to induce fowls or rats to come within his reach while he lay watching as if asleep 
when he instantly pounced upon them, and always with success. He was swift, and had a noble appearance when running. End, quote. End of section 20 The Eskimo Dog